Welcome to Good Life. I'm Dean Wilson. So glad you're with us wherever you're joining us. If you're joining us on the television airwaves here in Santa Barbara, California, at TV Santa Barbara, we welcome you. And of course, so many of you joining us from all over the world at goodlifetelevision.org, at our YouTube platform, at the Good Life Conversations podcast, which you can find on all the different podcast platforms. We're, we're just so grateful. We're talking about the good stuff. We've had if you go to goodlifetelevision.org or the podcast or the YouTube channel, you'll see not only the long form interviews, but then we kind of break these up into what we call power clips, where they're just kind of some of the great moments from those interviews, which, you know, we've just had all walks of life. I, you know, I just actually, uh, earlier today, we interviewed an executive, you know, talking about his journey from uh, $38 a week loading trucks in the media industry to chairman and CEO and taking a company public after 14 months and like just amazing stuff and, and people with tenacity and vision and creativity. And, 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 and these days, you know, when, when there's so much tearing down uh, to talk with people who are building up is something that's very wonderful opportunity. And, people who build others up and encourage people. It's great. So, so that's a great lead into my guest. I'm so excited to have Daniel Ritchie with me. Daniel, welcome. Dean, man, thanks so much for having me. Excited to, to take a, take a few minutes and chat. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Daniel's in, in uh, North Carolina. Is that right? Yes, sir. Absolutely, yeah. man. We're, we're enjoying fall weather. Leaves are turning, cooling off. College football's in, in full swing, man. It's a, it, this is the beauty of living in the South. That's for sure. Yeah. It's a beautiful time of year, especially if you're a sports fan. Hey, amen. That's right. <laughs> so Daniel's an author and a speaker. You can go to Dan if you want to find out more about him, which you will after this interview. I can guarantee you that. Uh, DanielRitchie.com is the website. Daniel and then R-I-T-C-H-I-E. DanielRitchie.com is where you can find him. Uh, there's a couple of books we're going to talk about. He's got a wonderful family wife and two children um and uh we'll, we'll get into the books in a second but let's just kind of start uh at the beginning daniel and so you know obviously uh you were born without arms yes sir. can you take us back to to you know what what kind of what happened what what are your earliest memories talk to take us back to kind of the beginning yeah, I mean, you know, I think to to the very beginning, you know, the the wild part in in that part of my story, especially, is they didn't catch my disability in utero. Um, you know, mom had two ultrasounds, healthy pregnancy, and so the expectation was to have um, a healthy baby boy, and, um, and and so truthfully, nobody knew anything was wrong literally until the doctor is holding me in the delivery room, and that's when they realized that. Um, I, I didn't have any arms and, and then, you know, we, even within that moment too, I wasn't, I wasn't breathing. The doctor couldn't find a, a pulse. And, um, and so very quickly, he just turned to my dad and he asked my dad, Hey, do you want us to let him go? Um, I, I think just looking at my life and going, man, what's, what, what's the point, but, um, man, I'm super grateful that I had a, had a daddy that didn't, didn't hesitate or pause or, or anything, but just man, urge the doctor to to go and try to revive me and man by God's grace in a, in a matter of minutes so I was revived and and back at it but you know it's like those uh I think those first few minutes of my life were definitely a roller coaster I think of just like the the fear the unknown 
Um, but I even think in, in the midst of that, just a picture of God's grace in that. Yeah. And what did you, so coming you know, as a young boy, as a young man, how did you kind of make sense of this or, or what, what was it like, you know, growing up this way? Yeah, I mean, I think there was, you know, in those early years, probably for me up to age like 10 or 12, I really didn't think anything about it. You know, to me, this this just was my life. I, I did everything with my feet. It, it was no big deal. And I think like a lot of us, you know, when we get into our teens and we're trying to figure out who we who we are, I think I'm looking around and going, wait a minute, I'm the I'm the only guy that has to like eat pizza with his feet. I'm the only guy that that gets stared at like I get stared at or get picked on like I get picked on. And so, you know, especially into my teens came this awareness that that I was different and that that difference was not was not a good thing. And um, and so, man, probably from age 13 to 15, um, just really struggled with depression, um, struggled with man trying to find my my purpose my value my hope I was just man you want to talk about floundering you know just started to to resent other people I think got a jealousy and then how other people treated me just in terms of unkind comments or bullying I mean I was just I, I was just a mess and isolated and, and you know the only parents really are the only people really speaking hope into my life at that point were my parents and so it was just um that that was an incredibly rough phase of my life yeah oh i can imagine um so what what changed what happened what was kind of your faith journey and yeah. when did that kind of begin yeah um so you know i grew up in a in a christian household mom and dad took me to church mom and dad you know taught me about the things of scripture but um, you know, I, I think I allowed a lot of my circumstances to to color and, and to tinge like how I saw the work of God in my life. Like I just didn't I, I vividly remember going, you know, I know that Jesus loves me, but why doesn't why doesn't he love me like he loves everybody else? Because he, he loves everybody else. He gave them two arms and 10 fingers like God. Why? Why do you hate me? Why don't you love me? And um and man, God used a, a youth event as a 15 year old. It was a, it was, it was a youth group lock in and, and just a, a very long conversation with a student pastor at this lock in where he just lays out God's love for me from scripture, from just like how, how God made me, that I wasn't an accident, that I was a perfect creation by a perfect creator, how, how God shows his love for me in the gospel, you know, and just sending Jesus to die in my place to, to be raised to life so that I can know hope in this life or eternal life in the next. And um, man, in, in that moment, I think that, that was the first time I saw God's love for me on his terms and, and not mine. And, and that that changed the game for me. I think to man to to place my life, uh, you know, as if with Jesus as the foundation, and not as my circumstances, not the words of others, not the opinions of others, but the words of of God, the opinion of God, the purpose of God to to build my life on that is what allowed me. I think to to move forward with hope, with strength, with confidence. I mean, you want to talk about the the single most life changing moment. It was that lock in as, as a fifteen year old. Wow. And that, so uh, that changed your life. Yeah. 
um, you, you, and you, you, you started to see things differently. Um, and, and I was reading about you. I, I, uh, one of the things that I read here is that, you know, you talked about God being glorified in the difference. And, and you, you mentioned that, you know, it's not an accident that, that God knew, you know, I, I think about that with, we have a special needs daughter who had a stroke in the womb mm -hmm. actually. And so it's been this 20 year journey we've been on. And, wow. and I, I always remind myself, you know, God knew, because sometimes I think we, like, we were surprised, you know, my wife and I, we, we didn't, even though you could have a stroke on the wheel, we never heard of that right, before, right? Right. And so we're kind of so sometimes I can think like that this snuck up on God or something, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like he this didn't sneak up on him. Yeah, yeah. You're 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 being exactly the way you are. It didn't sneak up on God, did it? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like one of the one of the the stories in Scripture that I think encourages me the most is Jesus and the disciples. They encounter this guy that was born blind um, in John chapter nine. And the disciples see him and they go, hey, teacher, who sinned, this guy or his parents, that he was born this way? Because like the cultural assumption back in that day is like people with disabilities, we were we were broken, somebody sinned, somebody messed up. Right. We were the work of basically Satan. And I love Jesus's reply. He says, this happened in, in terms of just talking about this guy being born with this disability so that the works of God can be displayed in his life. And now right. Jesus goes on to heal the guy later on in John 9. But I, I think it's so incredibly telling that Jesus says, I, I used his disability to show my power in the midst of his life. And you see it all through scripture that the grace of God shows up more in weakness, like in, in human weakness, more than it does human strength, because it truly shows just where our ultimate help and hope comes from. It's not from us, it's from him. And, and so I, I think for, for anybody listening, man, if, if, you're, if your situation is defined by failure and weakness and hurt and insecurity and darkness and, and disability, that is the life and that is the time when the grace of God shows up most powerfully to use us for his glory and not ours. Yeah. Oh, so beautiful, powerful. Well said. Yeah. Thank the you. hope, you know, this hope I've, um, yeah, there's something about, you know, uh, you mentioned in some of this stuff that I've been reading about you, I mean, you talk about contentment, hmm. uh, which I think is a really powerful thing. Uh, yeah. You know, that there's, there's a rest, you know, in faith in God, a contentment that is um, incredible. I yeah. remember, you know, actually, I, I, I had somebody who's, you know, I, I, I had a high school basketball coach my freshman year. He had no arms and no legs. Oh, wow. And there was something about him. His name was Rich DeVilder. I'll never forget him. He passed away a few years ago. But he mm -hmm. he had this kind of joy and contentment. Obviously, he learned to do things, you know. He would use his mouth to move around in his wheelchair. And he, he just, this guy, and, and his sense of humor was yeah. just, he, one time I got knocked down, I was on my back and the, and then at practice and Rich wheels himself over to me and he goes, Dean, how many fingers do I have up? <laughs> yeah. If you start saying fingers, we, we know you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. and, but this guy had this like, he, he was, I mean, 
he was content. Yeah. He, he was, he, he was doing, and he, he, yeah, he lived an incredible life Yeah, and he, you know, he was who he was and he figured it out. Like, I, I just remember kind of going, man, it kind of changed my perspective some because I was watching this guy who was just, I mean, none of us wake up and thank God for our fingers and toes, you know, every right. morning. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. But but there but so so talk about kind of your journey to to finding contentment in with the Lord with the situation you're in the you know whatever whatever restrictions that you face and a lot of us don't. Talk about that. Yeah, um you know I I think especially coming to Christ I mean, you know, to to, to be in this space now where, where I realize I'm not an accident. I'm, I'm here on purpose. Like God knows what he's doing. I, and, and, you know, to your point, like I might not realize the end game at this point. I don't, I don't realize quite what God is doing, but, but to trust that fact and, and to, um, you know, to realize that it's like, my hope is in the reality that it's like, you see this in, in Romans, you see this in Philippians, um, over and over in scripture, we see the promise that for us in Christ, the best is yet to come. Um, it's, it's not necessarily going to be in this life. Uh, but you know, Paul says Philippians one for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And it paints this picture that it's like, as long as I live, I'm going to make the most of, of what God has kindly given me, um, in this life with a full expectation that one day, I will, my, my life will end, but as I end this physical life that for me in Christ as a believer, then I, I wake up in eternity. I see Jesus face to face. I see the one that I've, I've lived my whole life for in the first place. And so I, I think for me, like that, that contentment comes in that, like Paul goes on to explain a couple chapters later in Philippians three, he says, I count all things as loss in view of the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and to be found in him. And, yeah. um, and I think for me, it's like, Paul, I, I think sometimes we always focus on like, just how good of a writer or how good of a theologian or how good of a teacher Paul was. Paul went through some stuff. Like Paul, <laughs> Paul had a lot of, Paul had a lot of hardship, a lot of trial, a lot of suffering. And, and yet he, he said, I, I shove all that to the side. I forget about all of that yeah. in view of just knowing who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And I think, I think for all of us, the key in contentment is not necessarily focusing on the things that we've lost or the things that we don't have, but to focus on the things that we've been kindly given in Christ and, and because of what he has done and what his grace has brought us. If it's strength in this life, if it's the the eternal hope that I just get to worship with him for the for the rest of eternity and just just stare at him and his beauty. I mean, it's like we we at times focus on all the things that that have gone wrong. And, and I think for us in Christ, the great contentment comes in focusing on all the things that that he's done that has brought the goodness and rightness in, into this world. Yeah. Oh, so great. That's beautiful. Uh, so there are so have you written two books Is yes it, sir. i have that right mm -hmm. okay, yeah. yeah so i love the title of this first one my affliction for his glory my affliction for his glory but glory by daniel ritchie that would be one um and it's talking about um i mean really it seems like it's just this new identity yeah uh, 
but so let's talk about that. But then the second one is in, is, is just called endure, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I love I love the word endure. Actually, um, building faith for the long run, how to run and not grow weary. Uh, talking about kind of this journey and sanctification and so forth. But start with with my affliction for His glory and in identity. Talk about what the what the idea was for this book. Yeah, I mean, I think it it was much of just what we talked about. I, th- I think for for me to see my identity, my contentment, my hope in Jesus and, and what He has done, and and not in my circumstances, because it's like in in the worldly sense, like when somebody looks at me, I think the assumption would be, well, a guy with this significant of a disability should be a miserable person. He shouldn't have any joy. He shouldn't be married, you know, with, with the girl of his dreams for 16 years and have two amazing kids and, and, and have a job that he loves. You know, it's like that that doesn't make a lot of worldly sense because it's like <laughs> I, I didn't find my identity in my armlessness or I didn't find my identity and my value and my purpose in in either what I failed at or what I succeeded at. You know, I, th- I think for all of us in Christ to, to find our identity and our purpose and our hope, it gives us the footing, I, I think, to where storms are going to come, but we don't have to fear. We don't have to like fold and fall apart. Like for, for us in Christ to build something, um, well, truthfully, to build our lives on someone who is greater than ourselves. Like one of my, one of my life verses, John, John says in John 20, 31, that all of these words are written, you know, just in terms of the gospel of John, he says, all of these words are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing you may have life in his name. And I think for us as believers, it's like we find our life in him. And, and, and so much of what we have in scripture is just this beautiful picture and promise of, of one that we can build our life on and one who's not going to let us down. And so I wanted to write my affliction for his glory so that people can know that, that, that they don't have to be built on their circumstances or the things that they've done or the things that have been done to them, um, but they can build their life on Jesus and what he has done for them by his grace and what he's calling us to do in, in his purpose and in his glory. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I, uh, you know, affliction, it reminds me of the verse I always think about, you know, the our light and momentary affliction or troubles are achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. Yeah. You know, there's such a difference in perspective when you're looking at life that way. Yeah, yeah. You know, where I, I've tried to, like, one of the things I think, like, for young people, you know, in, in terms of, uh, you know, if, if I was kind of counseling or advising someone these days i would focus more on let's not be surprised by problems like oh 100 you know what i'm saying yeah like life is chock full of problems and trouble yeah yeah so let's not be surprised by it let's be prepared and get our identity straight and get our foundation on the rock so that when they come not if you know yeah and we all set out you know we're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and you know when we're starting our careers or whatever we come out when we don't imagine you know a brain injured child you know right. a stroke in the womb well that's what happened to our family other people go through different stuff it's somebody you know losing a loved one 
you know, unexpectedly the, you know, a, a pandemic, uh, you yeah. know, the, yeah. financial problem, like there's, and so I almost feel like more, you know, this is the, welcome to planet earth. <laughs> Here's kind of what you signed up for. Yeah. You know, yeah. There's gonna, these afflictions, these troubles, but then when we have them, when, when you're talking about identity and we're talking about ha having a your other book and we're talking about the, the mindset of this is a marathon, not a sprint. God's going to accomplish his purposes in me. And some of that's going to be through affliction and suffering. Right. Right. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, to your point, you, you know, I'm, I'm a daddy of two and, um, and I would say I've had a life characterized probably by, by more hardship than, than anything else. And so, you know, as a, I think as a reactive man, I, I want to give my kids a better life and an easier life than I had. Um, and, and so that, that puts me in the temptation though, I think to remove them from any sort of trial or challenge or, right. or, or any sort of affliction, that's not, that's not reality. And, and I right. think for us as parents, like one of the most godly things that we can do is to not remove our kids from trials, but to walk with them through it. Because, you know, it's yeah. like you see in scripture, you see the promise, first Peter one, James one, um, you, you see it in Romans, like the, the hardship that we go through, it produces character and character right. produces a steadfastness, steadfastness produces hope. Like if, if we remove our children or remove the people that we love from affliction, we're also removing them from an opportunity to, to press into, I mean, just trusting God with the good but then trusting God with the bad too. And so that was, that was kind of the, the, the mindset in, 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 indoor is just the, that we're going to face hardship in this life. We're going to have things not go according to plan, but how can we weather that? And so it's just a yeah. endure endures a super practical book. Like how do I, how do I grow in Christ? Like in, in scripture or in prayer or discipleship or evangelism. And, and so it's just a, a pointing to, you know, like you're saying, just this sanctifying work of Christ and how we can chase them over the long run and, and not just make uh, our faith a flash in the pan. Yeah. Oh, that's in uh, that, I mean, that perspective, speaking of perspective, I mean, so much of this is about perspective. I mean, I, yeah. when I just reading about you and talking to you, it just seems like there's such a wonderful perspective because we were in a world of social media and quick hitting short instant gratification. How many likes do I have? Right. You know, you know what I'm saying? There's not right. a lot of marathon mentality there's not a lot of uh what's my long term i actually did this at the beginning of the school year with my boys last year the year before i said now i think i think it was last year so one of them was setting out in seventh grade and one of them was setting out in ninth grade and and so they were both kind of starting a four-year path in high school and then a two-year path in junior high and i said i used the old stephen covey on him i said hmm. let's let's begin with the end in mind here yeah what yeah. What do you want to have? I, I said, what do you want to have said about you to my older boy when you're finished with high school? Hmm. Let's make a list. You know, he, good friend, you know, yeah. kind to everybody, you know, worked hard. Like we just started to make a list because yeah. I was thinking about it going and, and same with junior. I was thinking about, you know, this is, we need to look at the long, I mean, that's obviously four years is still pretty short, but, but, but the, the idea being, what if we looked at the long-term picture here and even 
you know, even Daniel thinking generationally, you know, yeah. thinking about what do I want, you know, what kind of course do I want to set for a family? I mean, like you're doing with your kids and thinking about like generations beyond what, what are we trying to build here? You know, yeah. that, that that's exciting to me. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, you know, that's, um, a, a few years ago, um, me, uh, I, I preached my grandmother's funeral and, um, and, and it was just so interesting that it's like, you know, you, you, you talk to family, you want to make sure you, you know, you say the right thing in the eulogy type deal. But the thing I loved about my grandma was just like, for all of us, as, as we talked, it was just this picture of her love for other people and her love for Christ and how it was evidenced in her three daughters who, who loved Jesus her scores of grandkids who love Jesus. And, and she had two grandsons that are, that are in full-time ministry and, and preaching. I mean, it's like, and, and I mean, even, even my grandma and my, my grandfather, man, back in the fifties planted a church that's now 750 people strong in, in, in central Virginia. It's like, these are two normal people. They didn't go to seminary. They weren't like, they didn't write books. They just love Jesus, love their family and love their community. Well, and, and their choices, you know, over the course right. of the 90 years of life that God had given them rippled generationally. And, right. but no, but nobody's going to write a book about it. You know, nobody, nobody's right. going to tweet about it or, or have like a New York times article about it, but it's like, <laughs> they, they literally changed the world by yeah. just being willing to, to love Jesus and love others. And I think, I think very much so to your point that, uh, that's, it's, it's good on you and being a daddy that the, the thing that matters when you finish high school is how you loved your classmates. Well, like nobody's right. going to remember the scholarship that you got or the accolades you got on the sports field. Right. We're going to remember if you were kind to them or not, you right. know, and how right. that reflects, uh, you know, just in, in terms of Christ work in our life. Right. Oh, I love that. The books are my affliction for his glory and Endure by Daniel Ritchie. You can check it out. You can go to danielritchie.com, R-I-T-C-H-I-E.com. Um, and I'm sure, Daniel, if people are interested, I, this guy is speaking 15 times in the next week or something. He's, he's busy. <laughs> but if you want him to speak, uh, yeah, I'm sure you can find all that information at danielritchie.com. Um, what a story. What a message. Uh, it's beautiful, Daniel. I'm honored to know you and uh, love what you're doing. Hey, thank you, sir. Likewise, man, we need, we need more people trying to bring just the good good news and good life into the world. Because, brother, there's there's scores of bad news, um, <laughs> and, and I'm, uh, I'm I'm grateful. I'm grateful that there's 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 still some people that are trying to echo. I think just the goodness that that we have in, in this world. So, brother, I'm grateful for you, man. Keep keep being a light in a in a world that is that is desperately dark. So, I'm grateful. Oh, thank for you. you. Thank you. God is good, brother. Amen. Appreciate it, Daniel Ritchie. Everybody, DanielRitchie.com. Check him out. And we thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.